Well, welcome to another podcast with Conversations with Genesis Church. And uh, today we're going to be talking to a friend of mine from way back in the past, from college days, uh, Sean <laughs> Lee. <laughs> and um, uh, before we actually, before I introduce him, uh, let me just kind of give some information to our listeners here. All right. So uh, if this is, if you're new to our podcast, uh, I do want to encourage you to uh, just kind of go through the list. If you're, if you went to Spotify or ever how you listen to podcasts, you can go through the list and you can see what we talked about. But, um, and for those who are listening for the first time, if you're listening on Facebook or you're on a website or whatever, uh, we've talked, we talk about everything. That's why we call it conversations. And sometimes we talk about theology. So we've got some stuff on the, like, you know, the Bible, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, salvation, the typical doctrine type discussions. Uh, we've also had some things on how to study the Bible, some very practical. We got like two or three sessions on that where Chris Creech and I spent some time walking through some practical things you can do to help you study the Bible. Um, I mean, from talking about translations to how to interpret and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we also uh, interview uh, missionaries. Uh, uh, national missionaries, church planners, and international missionaries. There's a few on there. Uh, and I would encourage you to listen to some of those because it really helps give you a more of a global perspective on what God is doing. Uh, I find that many Christians that what will ha what'll happen is, you know, you, you think your world is it, you know, good or bad. Uh, but when you start hearing what God is doing around the world and other places, uh, you go, oh, okay, God really is at work. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, I'd encourage you to listen to that. Uh, we also have one podcast. that's a little different, uh, talk to, uh, Alan Newsom. Uh, he is the co-star in the Mayberry man. And, uh, and so uh, we heard his testimony and, and got some behind the scenes stuff and how God is using that platform for him and so uh you can check that out and if you are if you're an andrew griffith fan um that that podcast is for you because the mayberry man is based off of uh a mayberry festival and alan plays uh floyd the barber and so anyway i'll, I'll just listen to it it's great it'll go by fast it's very entertaining um and today we're going to be talking to sean lee and um, the reason why I have Sean on, uh, the podcast today is because of his journey, uh, with cancer. And, uh, I know there are some people out there that either have gone through it, going through it, or will go through it. And are you are related to someone? And, uh, and, and, and another reason why I asked Sean is because I know he's, he's going to be honest. And he's going to be transparent. And, you know, he is a, a pastor up in Roswell, New Mexico. Yes, Area 51, the aliens, all that stuff. And uh, and he knows the truth about all that, but he can't talk about it. I so, <laughs> so uh, but I have known Sean Lee for years and, you know, uh, uh, and it's good to kind of reconnect with him. We haven't talked in a while, and uh, but he came to my mind. And when I was thinking about some things that I thought would be helpful and this subject about cancer and how to deal with it and, you know, the emotions you go through and where's God in all this and how to deal with family members and just the uncertainty of the future and how just the whole process. And then by the way, and you throw in the mix of COVID with all that, you know, mm -hmm. and that was kind of part of his story as well. So, uh, well, Sean Lee, it is great, uh, great to have you on, uh, on the podcast today. Amen. Man, thank you so much, Jeff. 
Yeah. So yeah, yeah. My 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 story began um, uh, and it was probably about. Mm, I, I was singing in a, in a special choir with the Roswell Symphony Orchestra, and I remember feeling in the back of my throat that uh, it, it, something was like almost making me gag. It was, I don't know if you ever got a chip stuck in the back of your throat before, uh, where it was just kind of stuck there. Yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> right? And so that's yeah. what I thought was going on. And so I kept on coughing it out, trying to cough it. It just wouldn't go away. And so I got, I thought, well, I better go check with, with my doctor. Maybe he can, you know, look down my throat and say, oh, yeah, it looks like you. Because I thought maybe I had eaten a chip or something like that. And then it, it had torn a piece of flesh away, right? And it just mm-hmm. needed to be taken care of. <clears throat> he said, you know, Sean, there's been a lot of people that have been complaining about things like that. Let me give you an antibiotic and see if it goes away. So I take the antibiotic and uh, uh, it doesn't go away. I go back and I said, I, I don't, it's, it's still there, uh, Ray, what do I do? And he goes, well, you know, you, you probably ought to go see a, a ear, nose, throat. Just he'll, he'll put a little tube down your, down your throat and he'll, uh, he'll take a look and see what's going on. Um, so the interesting thing about it is that he said, well, I think I see something we really need to do a biopsy. And um, long story short, got the biopsy. And when I, they had to put me under to, to, to do the biopsy. And so when I, the last face I saw was my wife and, and it was like, okay, I'll see you when I get out. And when I start to wake up, uh, the first face I see is my wife and she's crying. And I thought, well, boy, that doesn't look good. <laughs> so, and uh, it's like, uh, what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, and what had happened was that the uh, the doctor had had told my wife, you know, um, I took a biopsy, and it's. He says, I'm I'm pretty sure it's cancer. And uh, so, you know, so she got the news before I did. And mm-hmm. so you can. That's something else else that that's that's unique about cancer is that it affects, it changes everybody's life for that person. Your spouse, your children, your, your workplace, everything changes uh, because it, it is a huge question mark. Um, uh, suddenly, everything that you thought you knew about reality changes. And for a lot of people, it is the scariest thing in the world, not just because their, their life might be ending, but because everything that they thought was going to happen in a linear fashion changes. And, um, and that's exactly what happened. You know, we, the, the, it was sent off uh, to uh, the Cleveland Clinic, which does excellent work in, in pathology down to the molecular level. And so they were, able to, they were able to find out that not only did I have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, but that it was a uh, uh, diffuse large B cell, which you can look that up on Google if you want to, but basically it just means that it was a particular subtype that required they had to find that out in order to find out um, uh, the best treatment. So that's the other thing, you know, not all, not all cancers are the same. Not everyone who gets the cancer diagnosis has to have surgery. I did not have to have surgery. Not everybody who goes through uh, cancer has to have radiation. I did not have to have radiation, which is another interesting part of the story. Um, but I did have to go through chemo. Uh, chemotherapy, uh, lymphoma is something that it resides in the lymph glands. Uh, and you really have to kill it at the source in the lymph glands. And because of its fast growing nature of the lymph cells, it, you, it required a particular brand of, of chemotherapy. And not all chemotherapy is the same. 
And so for some people, uh, chemotherapy can be well tolerated. Um, I, I know some people that they went through chemotherapy, they continued working, no problem. Uh, for me, it made me sick for the first three days. And then it, uh, and then it really just wore me down. Um, but so what they did was uh, my chemotherapy, uh, they, they ordered six cycles or infusions. And I had to get a, a port in my chest uh, because they can't, you can't just um, put an IV and do it that way because some of them are what they call anthracitic. And so they, they really are quite dangerous uh, unless it's put in to a, uh, into a saline solution and directly injected in, into your heart, which is, I didn't know about that. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, did, was, I didn't know that either. Yeah. It was, it was kind of scary to see all these, to see the, the, the hospital technicians when, when they would, or the um, on, oncological technicians, they would come in, they had to put on a gown, they had to put on a gown, they had to put on two sets of rubber gloves Wow! before they started handling this. Wow, and okay. they said, okay, now we're going to hook your heart up into this. Because <laughs> it really is, if this stuff were to land on your skin, it would actually do a lot of damage to your skin. And here's the irony is that in some cases, it, it actually causes cancer some of these, these drugs. And so you have to be really cautious. Uh, there's a lot of science, a lot of data. I'm very fortunate that uh, I got cancer in the 2020s because it was something that, that, anyway. So the doctor came in and he told me what was going on. And, uh, you know, the, the initial, it's like with, I found out there's a lot of similarity to grieving for a lot of different things in our life, when different challenges come in our life, there's, there's shock, and then there's disbelief. And then there's, there's, uh, there's, there's bargaining, right? Well, if only I'd done this, if only I'd done that. Um, but in the end, it all comes back to, I still have cancer and I got to deal with it. Um, and so, I don't so, know, with, okay, so, so when the, when, when you heard the news, I mean, what, what was your first thought? I mean, um, you know, shock. So when you, when you first get the news, it's just shocking. It's like, how can that be? You know, I, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't chew. I don't go with girls that do. I mean, I don't understand <laughs> why I didn't understand why this is happening. There's no cancer in my family background and history. So I was confused as to why this happened. Um, and, and that's one of the first things you want to do. You want to, you want to try to blame some, something or someone, um, but that still doesn't take you away from the fact that you've got to deal with it. Um, and so obviously the thing that I, I felt like I needed to do was I needed to give this to the Lord, that I, I felt like from the beginning, this was an important test that God was giving to me. Um, I remember it was after my first infusion and I was really starting to feel really ill. And, I, you know, you hear about some of those stories of people that get violently ill during chemo. Um, that was not me. I, I, I definitely felt ill. Uh, and, but there was one time that, that after the first infusion, and I think because it was the first infusion, I started feeling like my, my whole body was, was I, could, I can't explain it outside of it. It just, I could not rest. It was two o'clock in the morning and I was feeling quite ill. 
And so I had a bucket next to me in case I needed to throw up. There were times that that I would, uh, um, you know, start to, you know, retch or something like that. You just feel nauseated. And by the way, they they make some not they make some wonderful anti-emetic or or anti-nausea medications. Doesn't always work for everybody, but it worked well for me. Um, I came close, but I never threw up. You know, I mean, it was just one of those things. Anyway, I was. I remember somebody i remember going through a prayer uh, uh a, a prayer discipline um based off of um i forget some saint <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> it's okay that's anyway, going through. it's not about yeah, yeah. the saint it's about the it's about right the right right, right. Yeah, right okay. he's one of the developed that are she, uh anyway it was, they, they said try to imagine yourself in the scripture Try to imagine yourself in the setting where Jesus right. is or Moses is and try to smell things, try to feel things. And, and I imagine myself walking with the Lord Jesus and we're sitting down at a picnic table and, and he offers me some fish. I don't know why he did that in my imagination, but that's what happened. And uh, I said, no, thank you. And, and, and I remember the Lord saying, what do you, what, what's on your mind, Sean? And, and I felt, of course, I said, Lord, you know what's on my mind. He said, well, tell me. And there's something about the Lord when, when we need to say it. Of course, he knows it's on our mind. There's something that happens in the engagement of our will, in the engagement of our thoughts, in the engagement of our body. When we say it, Lord, why do I have this cancer? And it floored me, Jeff, when I heard in my heart and head, Jesus saying, well, Sean, I gave it to you. And I thought, hmm. you gave it to me. And I remember crying in my, in prayer and crying, literally crying all by myself in the middle of my, of my living room at two 30 in the morning. And I said, I can't believe you said that to me. <laughs> How can you say that to me? And, and I remember just not being able to look at the Lord and, and he said, Sean, look at me look at me. And that was interesting. And so I, I, in my heart, in my prayer, and also I just, I looked up at the Lord and he said, Sean, I need you to do something that only you can do. And I know he didn't mean that other people can't get cancer and go through this. He just means this is my path for you. And I want you to do this for me. And he, and a phrase was borrowed from Helen Roosevelt. Helen Roosevelt, you know who she is? Mm, no. She's a missionary doctor in Africa who during the uprising, rebel uprising, uh, she and her colleagues were, um, uh, were uh, arrested and, and she was um, uh, sexually assaulted. And she said, Lord, why is this happening to me? And the, and the Lord told her, I just need to borrow your body. I need to borrow your body. And I remember the Lord telling me, something similar to that if not the same thing i need to borrow your body jesus is incarnational not only at christmas time for our redemption but he's also incarnational i believe in the way that we live you know we jesus teaches us how to live but he also teaches us how to die and so i i i knew that i needed to submit to, to what was going on and it could get worse. I didn't know back then that I was going to be able to progress. Uh, I just knew that I needed to do this. This is this is something that I was called to do. 
And I found cancer was one of the best things that happened for me, Jeff, uh, because uh, I, I, I've been able to know the Lord in a sweet and tender and, and close way I never would have been able to uh, before in my life. I can read about it from other people. That's fine. I can hear about it through podcasts, but I can only experience it if I walk the path. And, you know, Psalm 23, he leads us through the valley of shadow death for his name's sake unto righteousness. And, and this is my path. It's not everybody's path. And um, this is my path. So anyway, that's, that was some of the initial, initial thoughts. Well, so. you know what, one of the, the uh, you said something, uh, you know, why is this happening to me? Uh, I picked up a quote the other day from a, uh, from a sports documentary. Okay. And, and when I heard this, <clears throat> I thought, I mean, I didn't even hear what they said after that, because I thought, man, that is, that's a game changer quote right there. This woman was talking about her husband and, and stuff that was going on. And she said, she said, I've always been taught not to ask, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening for me? Hmm. And that two to four, uh huh, that is, that's a paradigm shift. Yeah. You know, and, um, uh, because obviously this was happening for you. Yeah. Oh you yeah. Know? Uh, cause God was placing you on a journey to do whatever he needed to do in you, through you. And, uh, uh, and it's, it's in that whole Valley thing. I, you know, I, I, okay. So everybody has their valleys at some point. We all go through valleys, whatever that yeah. thing is, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and I think that is where you find out where your relationship with God really is. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I mean, when things are going well in my life, oh man, it's great. It's easy to pray. Oh, it's easy to praise the Lord, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, but man, when you get cancer or when somebody dies, or if you're in a ministry and it's not going the way you'd hoped, or your life hasn't ended up the way where you thought you would be. And you you follow what I'm saying. Oh yeah. 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 And, uh, and now we're going to find out, can I offer up that sacrifice of praise? Yeah. You know, and, um, can I, can I praise the Lord while I'm in shackles in the prison? Or yeah, like, you know, that's what it feels like. It's, it's the importance of, you know, how, how can we say count it all joy whenever we go through various types of testings? Right. Unless we go through the testing. Right. And so, and if the master sees it fit that we go through a particular type of testing, well, we can take two confidences. Number one, that he would never do anything that is unwise or that is, that is, uh, it is evil, Right. But the other thing, I remember Johnny Erickson Tata, when she went through her injury, one of the first things that some, and she wasn't a strong Christian at, at the beginning, but very early on, someone gave her Lamentations 3, 31, 32. I'm reading it. I'm not just saying this. It's where he said, men are not passed off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. And so he was trying to tell her it is not God's purpose to just make you afflicted. There's a purpose and a reason for this. And uh, it does have to go through the path of suffering. Um, but it means that he's trusting you with that. And if he's trusting me with that, that means it's kind of a weird thing. I don't know where this lies theologically, Jeff, but it, it, it's almost as if God has faith that we will do the right thing. <laughs> and, and I, 
I, I don't know what to say about that. And I don't, I don't know either because I, I, I mean, no, I get it. And it's like, I don't know how many times I said, God, are you sure? You know what I'm saying? That you want to use me in this situation? Cause I know who I am. You know, I know my, I know my weaknesses. I know my sins. I know, I know my perspective on stuff. And, um, that, but somehow he, he, he trusts us in this and, uh, it just goes, you know, his ways are not our ways, man. And, yeah. You know, and he uses broken people all the time. And, yeah. uh, but uh, when somebody gets that diagnosis or that if, you know, I, I honestly, I'm glad it happened to me and not to my children or to my oh, wife. Right. You know, I know we don't get to choose. We don't get to pick. Right. And so, yeah. in fact, they have their own journeys to make. Their journeys are not over. Right. But I do know that that if God calls us into the discipline and I, this is what I've kind of seen. it. It's a discipline of affliction. You know, there's the discipline of Bible reading. There's a discipline of worship. There's the discipline of of whatever. Right. The discipline of affliction is a very important discipline. It is as uh, as valid as the discipline of um, study. It is as valid as the di discipline of prayer. Um, it literally hurts. It costs us emotionally. It costs us time and money. It puts our plans on halt or destroys them altogether. Um, but I believe that that pain and suffering, they're those, it's the universal signpost that lovingly draws us back to his heart. It teaches us things in the holy place that only, only two people can experience, God and myself or God and whoever's listening. And so it's, it's a prominent part of our discipleship and we're unwise to try to run away from it. Well, you know, it's amazing when you talk about the, uh, uh, what are you calling it? The something of affliction, the, the discipline of affliction? Yeah, discipline of affliction, or, you know, also known as the doctrine of suffering. And <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. it's amazing how little we hear of that from the pulpit, if you will, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, cause I mean, you know, we'll read the verses and stuff of that nature and most sermons, you know, are, you know, we can get it. People want to be encouraged and motivated and inspired and that stuff. And, and, um, I, I know from my perspective when I'm okay. So I, I preach right now, I'm preaching the gospel of Mark. We're about halfway through and we're getting into some stuff that I wish Jesus hadn't said, yeah. you know? <laughs> okay. You know, and, uh, and even though this is not what I'm about to say is not in Mark, but you know, Jesus said in another gospel that, uh, and, and John that, you know, in this world, you will have trouble. I mean, he's just upfront with it. He's not hiding it, you know, and, uh, there is part of discipleship and part of spiritual growth is God preparing us for that trouble and then preparing us in the trouble for, for later, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, and our natural tendency is to run from the valleys and to run from the trials and tribulations and trouble. And when in reality, we think, well, this can't be God's will because that's, that's going to be painful when it's actually in the middle of pain, you're right in the middle of God's will. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's, you know, I'm, I mean, again, I want to just back up for a minute because the talking about this whole 
discipline of affliction and stuff. Okay. So when Jesus, before he faced the cross, okay, now that's going to be some serious affliction. Okay. When he's on, he's about to, he's about to be crucified and all that kind of stuff. He is in the garden and he's praying and he prays something very significant to me. And I had heard this, him, I've heard this passage read uh, over and over again. And I don't know when it happened, but all of a sudden, I saw something I'd never seen before. And it was profound to me then. And it's probably not new to you, but for some of our listeners, it may be. The, so what Jesus says, he's talking to the Father, and he's, and he's praying. And he's saying, um, if you can take this cup from me, take it. And he says it you know, not my will, but your will be done. And I, the aha moment for me was Jesus right then did not want to do what his heavenly father wanted him to do. Mm. Not my will. I don't want to do this. This is Jesus talking. Mm -hmm. Sinless Jesus. Okay. Perfect Jesus, not my will, but your will be done, which tells me that there are times that it's okay and it's not a sin to not want to do what God wants you to do. Mm, wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And I think, and, and now, if you don't do it now, now we can have a sin conversation. Okay. <laughs> but if, however, it, it's, it's not a sin to not, I mean, if you're saying, God, I don't want this trial. I don't want this cancer. I don't want this divorce. You know, God, I don't want them to die. I don't want all this, whatever it is going on. Um, you know, that's okay. God's okay with that, you know, but how you, you know, as long as you're going to follow him and obey him through it, uh, it's okay for your will not to be the father's will as long as you do his will. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that, that there's some emotional tension there that I think some people, uh, feel guilty for how they felt about their situation or yeah. how they felt towards God when God's not, he's not offended by how you feel, yeah. you know, and, um, he knows you don't want, I mean, who want, yeah, sign me up for suffering and affliction. Oh, that's great. You know, nobody wants that stuff. And, uh, but there, <laughs> yeah. but there's, but that is a school. That's part of that journey that you're saying that we all go through and that we need to go through because that is where we're refined by fire. There's some, there's, there's junk in our life that we cannot get rid of any other way except being refined by fire. Yeah. We've got to go through that valley. We've got to go through that trouble. We've got to go through that pain. So That's anyways, an awesome yeah, I, just, I just wanted to throw that out there because it, it was on my mind and I was excited about it. And besides, this is my podcast. And so I can do what I want. That's right. You can do whatever you want. Right. <laughs> you, remember, okay. you, remember Dale, you remember Dale Smith? Yep. So Dale Smith, I'm going to give a shout out to Dale. He sent me a, a copy of a book um, about the, the wisdom of the Puritans. And he spent a lot of time just because Dale's just brilliant and he just, he reads all these, you know, dry, dusty books. And, and, uh, but anyway, he, and we need people like that to tell me what they say. Amen. <laughs> amen. amen. Dale, he, he carefully and lovingly um, took all these quotes out of the Puritans and not only just the, not only the Puritans, but I think only the English Puritans. <laughs> wow. Very so, specific here. Uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I wrote this down because it was so important, um, when I was looking at Psalm nine and, and, and this is from Thomas case. And he said, in a word, 
Suffering time is the time where God makes his attributes visible. The, because the scripture says the Lord will be a refuge to his people, a refuge in the time of trouble. Mm -hmm. And what follows? And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. So in the school of affliction, God reads lectures upon his attributes and expands himself mm -hmm. and to his people so that many times they come to know more of God or more experimentally by half a year's sufferings than by many years sermons. And I thought wow. that, that, that for me was what evidently I needed, but it was more than that. I felt, I felt as if, you know, I'm a steward of this, of this process. I'm a steward of this illness and I need to pay attention to what God is teaching me uh, because it, it, you know, I, I'm not expecting to, 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 to broadcast this, this, oh, hey, who wants to be involved in this discipline affliction? Uh, <laughs> I'm not expecting anything like that. I'm not expecting a book, although, you know, I thought about those things, but it's, it's more about, am I being faithful with what I've been given, with the time I've been given, with the people that are around me? And, and I, I want that. I want, because this is, his glory is more important. It's more important. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's where I want to be. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm going. Oh, um, and you know, and you cannot, okay. When here, okay. So when it comes to this discipline of affliction, they always, these afflictions and these sufferings and these trials, they always are inconvenient. You got, you know, everybody's got to understand this. Mm -hmm. All right. There's never a good time for pain. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, so when it happens, don't think something strange is happening to you, right. uh, you know? And so, cause it's, it's very normal. Everybody, a lot of people go through what you're going through and, um, you know, circumstances are a little different and all that stuff, but, uh, uh, and I personally, okay. So I don't know how people go through it without a faith in God and other believers in their life. Oh man. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine the loneliness and how dark that is. Okay. So I'll, I've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, all right. So you mentioned, uh, your wife and kids a little bit. All right. So, all right. They heard the news they're processing all of this. So are they thinking my dad's going to be dead in six months? I mean, what, what are they, what are they thinking? Um, what's so, happening to them? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that my daughter, she said to us later on, she said, I wish you had told, talk to me more about what was going on. I wish you had told me more about what's going on in your heart. And how old was she at the time? Uh, she's, she was 21, 20 years okay. old at the time. And okay. uh, 20, 20. And uh, so she, this was happening, this poor girl, you know, she's, she's getting a lot of these things even, even while she's, she's transitioning. She's, she's going to uh, Dallas Baptist University right now. Uh, and so, you know, the, her dad's getting cancer and she's going through these things for the first time in her life. And so, you know, I, I, I tried to think, what, what would I be thinking, you know, about if my mom or my dad, if they went through a serious illness, what would I be thinking? And, uh, but I think that for all of us, we, we, we have to give ourselves some grace to say that, that not only am I trying to process this, but I have to try to just 
give everybody some some grace and trying to find out. I know you too are going through this. I know you too are trying to get your head around while wow, my dad might be dying uh, or my mom might be dying or I might, I, I myself, you know, what, what am I going to do? It, it is kind of interesting that, that a lot of different things accelerated, you know, COVID accelerated a lot of things, right. But, right. but, but illness uh, and I hope I did it right. It, it accelerated a lot of different things like, communication with Brenda or uh, the fact that we had for too long been undisciplined in our, in our financial dealings. And so we decided we have got to take care of this, you know, and, and, and we were driven, you know, I was driven to say, we, we are going to get out totally out of consumer debt and we're, we're not going to mess around with this. And we did, you know, we, we moved some things around, but, but it was more than that. It was just saying, I, I need to begin the process of, of clearing house. Um, some, for some of us, life is going great. We, we, we are in the illusion of thinking that I can take care of this later. And so we kick the can down the road and we are deceiving ourselves hmm. and, and we need to think, you know, before things totally spiral out of control and I am without remedy, I, I needed, I need to be a good steward of my relationships, of my resources, of my intellect and, whatever, whatever else God makes me a steward of. I don't uh, know if I answered that question. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just asking about, uh, you know, you know, when, you know, like your wife and your kids and whoever else, you know, oh. when they heard it, what, you know, how did they handle it? And from your perspective, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, obviously you could turn into a, it could turn into a pity party quickly uh-huh. and you, you know, yeah. you could easily want everybody. Okay. Surround me, help me, you know, that kind of thing. Um, uh, was there any, I mean, cause I can't remember if I, I can't remember if you said this during the podcast or just when we were talking beforehand, uh, something about, you know, you were getting angry at God or you got bitter or something mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Uh, where did that come from? Why did that happen? How did you get out of it? Yeah. So what, what's interesting is that um, I, I think that, that I, I mentioned anger as I, I read someplace that anger is the emotion that we turn to whenever we're facing emotional difficulties that are difficult for us to, to otherwise express or that we don't know what to do with them. And so that, that's been actually a part of my life that, that's been there for a very, very long time. Um, I think that, you know, several Several interesting things happened all at the same time. Uh, we were going through the election of 2020. Uh, so there was a lot of variance of opinions on what was going on um, with, with uh, presidential candidates. There, were, there, were, there, were, there was also, of course, what should we do with COVID? You know, should we mask up? Should we not mask up? Should we, should we close up church? Should we, should we put everything on lockdown? And um, chemotherapy also can, they, they warned they, I remember a warning that sometimes chemotherapy can do things to you psychologically. And I remember thinking, oh man, I don't want to lose control of my emotions and I don't want to lose. So I remember writing myself a note saying uh, like, hey, Sean, if you get this, it means that you, you've probably been, the chemotherapy is working negatively against you in this way. And then you're starting to lose touch with reality. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a note to myself. 
face things went really bad. But you know, I, I noticed that it was it was Brenda that that started telling me about how you know you just you're really angry about a lot of different things, you know. And and I think part of it was you know just I was just so tired of hearing so much negativity. I remember backing way off out of Facebook and and of other things like that because I just didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with all this this negative stuff. Well, all the time, I mean, I knew I was having issues with anger when I would just get really out of control, not out of control, but just really angry with people that would run through red lights. (laughs) So I thought, you know what? Maybe that's my lot in life. I'm just going to become the old curmudgeon, right? You know, that, that angry guy yep. that lives down, that angry old guy that lives down the street. And, uh, and I thought you know, later on, I remember just reading the scriptures and saying, you know, I don't get that choice. That is not what a disciple gets to do. They do not get to do that because the scripture says in Philippians, let your gentleness be evident to all. Right. Yeah. And so we can't, I can't, that's not something I get to do. But it did expose some things as to the questions of why am I getting angry? It's not just, I can't blame it on the election or COVID or chemo uh, or bad drivers. It's me. I have to own responsibility. And so that's why I'm going to celebrate recovery. I'm going to celebrate recovery because I'm thinking there are lots of ways that when you squeeze me, I act in ways that are inappropriate for a disciple whether it was the viewing of pornography or whether it was the uh, unexplained anger or uh, a resentment, uh, sarcasm. Sarcasm is just another form of anger. It is. So I I just, I thought there's something, this is the other gift of, of, I guess, this whole experience of of saying, I I don't, I don't want to die thinking, ah, you know, this is an unpleasant thing. I'll just scoot it under the rug. No, I want to I wanna let, let the city on a hill and that light, God who dwells in unapproachable light, I want to take care of all this stuff. Right. Well, you know, okay, so talking about emotions. Uh, all right. Okay, when I was uh, working on uh, my doctorate's degree, uh, my dissertation was on emotional discipleship. Hmm. and about connecting our emotions and growing emotionally uh, as believers, because most of the discipleship material out there was uh, around head knowledge, you know, memorize yeah. scriptures, read this, you know, study that, you know, get your theology right, you know, that kind of what you believe, you know, like a doctrine, usually a lot of the uh, discipleship out there focused around that. And, but I saw a huge gap in between, between the knowledge and emotional growth, because you'd have people who would know, who would know a lot about the Bible, uh, but man, they had issues with depression or anger or whatever, whatever emotion you fear, whatever. And, and the Bible talks a lot about our emotions, you know, be angry and sin, not don't fear and on and on it goes. And, um, uh, and so through all of that, uh, you know, I, w- one of the things I learned was, is that, you know, there is this emotional element to us that we seem to ignore. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now emotions themselves are not sin. I mean, for example, be angry and sin not. Okay. So we have to separate sin from our emotions. You know, depression is not a sin, you know, worry is not a sin. Okay. So, um, 
how you feel is not a sin. You remember what I said a while ago about Jesus, not my yeah. will, your will be done. I don't want to do it. You know, that kind of thing. So, uh, and Jesus, you know, sweating the drops of blood, you know, and most people think that's the, because he was so under so much stress, feeling stress that he was sweating blood, which does happen. Um, and so you know, our emotional component in our discipleship and our spiritual growth is significant. And a lot of people feel a lot of stuff. Okay. And now I'm saying all of this, uh, because, okay. So you mentioned COVID, you know, you had the cancer and the COVID thing going on. And, uh, one of the things I, I recognize, all right. So I had COVID uh, a few weeks ago, right? right now. Okay. So, and I had it bad. Oh man, there's a few days in there. I'm thinking I, I, if it gets any worse, I'm dead. I mean, you know, I was thinking about everybody I knew that was my age, had no underlying situations and they died. And I'm just thinking I'm next. I mean, that's what's happening. And so, and by the way, I'm sleeping it off and I'm miserable. I'm in, I'm quarantined in my room or in the, our bedroom and Pam is sleeping somewhere else. And she comes in and checks on me, make sure I'm not dead. And, uh, but she thought I was just, I heard her on the phone when I was walking through the living room during this process it, i heard her talking so i said well yeah no he's just tired he's not he's not really that he doesn't have it that bad and as soon as she got the phone i said pam you have no idea what's happening back here <laughs> you know i said just because i'm like sitting in my chair or laying down in in our bedroom i said man i am struggling but anyway wow. okay so when the covid thing was over there is something that i have picked up emotionally that was not there beforehand Huh. And so, and I've talked to some other people who've gone through the COVID thing, especially those who've had it, you know, that was, it was kind of rough for them. Um, and for me, I have noticed that you talk about get annoyed at the red light stuff. For me, it's, a, I just generally get annoyed quick. I, I'm not, I'm not an angry person. I don't yell. I don't cuss. I, I've just never been that way. I just, I'm very even kill. I mean, it's just, okay, whatever, you know? And, uh, but I've, I'm noticing little things are on the inside. You may not see it on the outside, but on the inside, I'm aware. Why am I, why am I struggling so much with anger that I never had before, you know, and just being annoyed like, okay. So this thing was in a closet about a week or so ago, I'm putting something away and this thing drops and in my head. All right. I realize I am saying things in my head. I should not be saying. <laughs> Oh, which, wow. and, I'm, and I'm thinking, and, I, and as soon as in my head, I'm thinking, I'm going, what, where did that come from? You know what I'm saying? And I've noticed that, uh, you know, whether it's our beagle or five-year-old, two-year-old, my wife, the mother-in-law, me, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It doesn't matter. You know, it, I'm finding that I'm noticing that I get annoyed a lot quicker. My patience is shorter and that's all since the COVID thing. And I mean, and it's like, and I mean, it's, it's no, very noticeable for me on the inside. Other people don't notice it, but I do. So, um, and, and when I, we're out, again, with all this said, I, we have to, whether it's cancer, COVID or death, you know, or whatever, a crisis, a divorce, you've got to be aware of your emotions uh -huh. and, um, and, and practice the self-awareness and examining yourself to make sure that, okay, God, you know, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? I don't want this and, and process this with other believers and with the Lord and, and, and grow from it. Because if you don't, it's just going to bottle up right. and you're going to start doing weird things that yeah. you shouldn't be doing.
Yeah. Yeah. Why, why go through the pain and not try to find out what's, what's, what's with this. And Brenda actually told me that, you know, you've, you've always defaulted to in your annoyance to, to uh, uh, anger. Uh, like for instance, I would sometimes like get, and I still do it, you know, and I have to catch myself. It's like, how come, how come the scissors I placed in the upper, upper drawer are gone? They're always gone. Why are they always gone? You know, or how come we, how can we always leave the, the dryer door open, the lights on and you know, the, the light's going to burn out one of these days. And she said, well, who cares? You know, and, and, <laughs> you know, cognitively I'm thinking she's right, but there's that other part of my emotion that, that, and I've, I've found out that, or, or I'm finding out, I should say, cause I'm still trying to find out control is something that that I don't I've, I've never really thought of as as needing in my life but if I look at a genogram or if I look at, at at my past I would see that control is a really important part of my of my life um, it, it's it helps me to to gain a better perspective or, or gain an advantage in things that I'm uncomfortable with and so I so I have to deal with that all right. So, uh, all right. We're kind of getting near the end of all this. Uh, all right. So if you could just sort of bullet point, <laughs> sort of some stuff, what, what lessons have you learned through all of this? Yeah. And what advice would you give those going through it? Yeah. Ooh, wow. Wow. You know, I, I would say that, that going, going through, Hmm. I think the first one is to know is, is that to remember that God loves us. He really loves us through this. And that when we get this diagnosis or when we go through, uh, we watch a loved one go through this painful process, that it's, that it's important that that never changes, um, that God is good all the time to us. Um, you know, I, I talked back earlier about that you know nobody wants this discipline of affliction um, or this this painful circumstance we're going through. But but God has a. It sounds so cliche, but there's a reason why things become cliche. Um, it really is true that God does have that greater purpose for us in their life. It's it's meant to be a prominent part of our discipleship, and we can take comfort in the fact that God is trusting us with that. Um, to remember that he, he does not bring affliction uh, or grief to us uh, because he because he can't, you know, that's, that's not how he works. Um, and uh, I, I've tried, I think, trying to see that, that taking up, when Jesus says, you know, uh, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, he does not take away the yoke. He promises that he will yoke with us in that. And so the yoke of affliction, if you want to put it that way, um, it's never born alone. You will always have Jesus as your companion. And, and it is a beautiful companionship, even if that companionship leads to death. But, you know, something I've noticed is if you haven't figured it out, everybody is heading towards that inevitability so the way you know there's i do a podcast too you know uh, <laughs> called living your dash with my with my pastor and so 
we just talked about how, you know, uh, the mortality rate to our knowledge is still hundred <laughs> <Yeah>. percent. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. But there is no safer or better place to be than with Jesus in the yoke of his choosing. And so we, we, we are, we find ourselves in a delightful place. And so I know that it's difficult. I know that, that it is a very, it is a very thin boundary between the line that says, why is this happening to me to, oh, I get to go through this with the Lord. Uh, but it is, there's only one person in the universe that can choose the attitude. And that's you. Hmm. Not even God is going to force you to change your attitude. You do. And that's a beautiful thing, really. So I don't know what else to say. <laughs> okay. So one time, uh, Okay, I have this quote, and it's original from me. Oh, and, uh, right. We Pam and I were driving down the road. This is years ago, and uh, we were talking about something like this. You know, about going through pain and suffering and stuff. And I said, "Well, Pam, I said sometimes you have to, you know, you have to bloom where you're planted, but you're watered by your own tears." Mm. Okay, so, and mm. what I meant by that was that you know, that's just how it is. Cause sometimes you feel very alone in your pain because mm -hmm. you know, you, your perspective is not, you're not watching somebody go through it. You're going through it, but you got people uh -huh. watching you, your wife, your kids, your family, your church or whatever. And which brings me to another question for you. Um, all right. So as you were going through this, what did you find helpful and not helpful, encouraging and not encouraging from the people around you? Oh, wow. Yeah. You know what? That was a, another beautiful lesson that God taught me. Um, something that I've always hated, uh, Jeff, is I've always hated being, being uh, like obligated to people. I've always wanted to try to be self-sufficient and I don't need anybody's help. I can, I can do this by myself. And for, through cancer and COVID, I, I found out that uh, I can't do anything. I mean, as you remember, it was, you just can't do anything. I mean, it, it took all I could do to get out of bed, to go to the bathroom and back. And I would just lie there and sweat and try to breathe. And it was just, it was just so hard. Hmm. I have, uh, I experienced such a beautiful outpouring of, of God's people that I've never, ever seen. And I never wanted to, because I, I didn't want to be in that vulnerable position, but God was telling me, that I, people need to be able to do this for you. They need to express this. So let them and receive it as a gift. And so we were, we were given money. We were given, um, we were given meals. We were given flowers. We had people come over and do our yard work. We had people uh, fix our, our, our sprinkler system. I mean, it was, it was an outpouring I never wanted to ask people to give, but I never asked for it. They just gave. And that was a beautiful thing. And that was another lesson. What, what is that what you were asking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I had actually asked like a couple of questions. They're sort of all together. In other words, like uh, what lessons did you learn? Oh. What advice would you give people? And, but I had also asked that question about what, 
what was helpful and encouraging and what wasn't helpful and encouraging from the people around you because they're, they're you know for okay so i have never had cancer okay you know yeah. so uh and the closest i've ever gotten to it uh well intimately is with pam she was diagnosed with this blood disorder that's treated like a cancer and uh. you, you know you, you you know you have a, a urologist and you go you know and and by the way uh when we went to uh, the cancer institute in alabama when she was first diagnosed with it, um, the, uh, the first meeting we had with the doctor, uh, he walks in and because it, the reason why, first of all, is the reason why it's treated like a cancer, this blood disorder Pam has is because it thickens your blood and the same treatment is very similar to cancer treatment. And, you know, and it's, if wow. you don't treat it, you're dead within 18 months, kind of a thing, you know, that kind of stuff. So and this is several years ago. So, and there's some, and it's lingering and she has to battle this thing for the rest of her life outside right. of a miracle. But anyway, so, uh, we're sitting in, um, the doctor's office and he comes in the first question he asked was, how do you feel about being here? Interesting. That is interesting. I thought so too. So when he asked that, I mean, he, he and he just sat down and let us talk, you know, cause we're thinking, man, we got, <laughs> We got to fix this because based on what you've already told us 18 months she's gone you know so we need to we need to jump on this thing um but anyway that was an interesting conversation because he knows that when you have your first appointment at the cancer center you know and they're about to go we're about to do some get serious about stuff you know uh, i guess you know this doctor was just one of those doctors where he knows that you've got to process this thing emotionally you know what i'm saying wow. And get through some junk that is on your heart and mind that you've never had to think about before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so those who are listening, I want to tell you, um, man, it's okay to be, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be yeah. angry. It's okay to wonder about the future and, you know, and, and you're just going to have, you're going to have a lot of strange and weird thoughts you haven't had you know, in a long time or never. And you're, and you're going to not, and you're not going to know what to do with them. Mm -hmm. uh, whether you have been diagnosed with cancer or somebody you love has been diagnosed with cancer, you know, for us sitting on the outside, you know, we have our own thoughts and that's another conversation for another day. Uh, but, uh, you know, watching someone battle it and you feel so helpful, you know, helpless, you don't know what to do and you wish you could take the pain away. And, and sometimes they get it and sometimes they get on your nerves, you know, it's like, why don't you just, why don't you get better? You know what I'm saying? And I'm tired of serving you. It just, you know, and the Bible does have the, there is a reason why the Bible says do not grow weary in yeah. doing good. Yeah. Cause doing good wears you out. I mean, it does. Yeah. And, uh, you just kind of get tired of serving people sometimes and you're going to have all this stuff. You're going to have all this stuff going through your mind and, and, you know, so, you know, uh, yeah. Okay. Jeff, yeah. One yeah. more thing I was going to say was that I think a part of the therapeutic process of going through this is, is, um, Rick Warren talked about how never waste a pain. Right. And that's something that, that, that is, is, is really important. I think part of a, a large part of the, of a po positive process of trying to work out what this new, um, long-term chronic disease is going to do in your life find a way I, like one of the first things I knew I needed to do was 
I needed to restart Cancer with Grace at, at our church. It's a support group, a cancer support group. In fact, we're meeting tonight. And uh, I knew I needed to do that because even before, I, I didn't want to have anything to do with cancer. <laughs> it's a depressing thing, right? <laughs> um, but that, that was also one of, the, one of the most important things was, right. was uh, there has to be someone who is going to champion the person that's going through these right. things. And I felt like I needed, I can't do everything, but I can do something. And I could lend my influence to try to see, well, how can we help? other people who get that first time diagnosis or are going through the, uh, um, the side effects of chemotherapy or radiation or going through all different types of problems. So find a way to give back. So, yeah. Well, okay. So for those who've been listening, I hope this has been encouraging to you. I hope it's been insightful and, and maybe it helped you to understand the person in your life that's going through cancer um, and, uh, and give you some food for thought. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we do this, these podcasts, because I, I think it's helpful to have some real conversations, at least to get some things started. And this may be something, uh, you and your spouse or you and the person going through cancer or just went through it. This may be a conversation starter. You listen to the podcast together and then say, all right, let's talk about it. You know, they said some things, Sean said some stuff that maybe we need to think deeper about in our own relationship with God and one another. And, uh, and again, we're all on a journey. Uh, uh, Sean mentioned that a couple of times and, um, sometimes our journey is very easy. Uh, a lot of times it's not. And, uh, and when the doctor drops the C word on you, you know, it, 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 you're, you get a, what feels like a detour, but it probably needs to be, it's not probably, it is where you need to be at that moment. And yeah. God's going to teach you something. And again, you know, not why is this happening to me? Why is this happening for me? Yeah, which is, it, which is the new quote for my life this month. And so, uh, Sean, thank you so much for sharing your journey, your story and being honest. And, um, and I mean, I know there's a lot more to it, but I, I do think this will be a blessing to those who listen to it. Um, and, uh, maybe, maybe in the future we could do some other podcasts on a much more happy subject. And, uh, uh, you know, so, but I, again, uh, the Bible talks about in first Corinthians, you know, that we receive comfort and let's pass that comfort on to others. Amen. And right. so, uh, and that's what we're trying to, that's what we're trying to do today. Sean, yeah. Thank you so much, man. Jeff, it's a privilege. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome.